0: We have our next Bible reading Okay, so As I said, we're in the Gospel according to Mark Mark's uh, I keep saying biography It's not really It's not really They're not really biographies The the the, the di- different Gospel writers will Arrange things in different orders And sometimes they'll arrange it You know, logically one way And then by category another way So We're looking at one perspective and we're in the 12th chapter 12th chapter of Mark beginning at verse 18 then come unto him Jesus, the Sadducees which say there is no resurrection and they asked him saying Master, Moses wrote unto us if a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now, there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and dying left no seed, and the second took her and died, neither left he any seed. Just children, you know. And then the third likewise, and the seven had her and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise... Whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do, do ye not therefore err, because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. And as touching the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. So, we are looking at uh, our resurrection and I said to you I said to you last week that there were three types of Jewish religious leader you know, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes and I I said we'd come to see how each would confront Jesus in turn and so last time the Pharisees uh, tried to trick Jesus into saying something treacherous either against the Jewish people or against Imperial Rome so that attempt failed so now it's the turn of the Sadducees but who are they who are the Sadducees well although they have a shared origin with the Pharisees their views differed fairly widely so for example The pharisees believed in divine sovereignty you know so the lord's in control of all things that occur whereas the sadducees believed in complete free will the pharisees accepted all parts of the old testament scriptures as well as oral tradition passed down the sadducees even if they took any notice of the rest of the old testament at all they held the pentateuch uh, that's the first five books of the bible in the highest regard and as for as for anything any oral and traditions passed down they rejected those and as our story indicates today they deny the concept of resurrection a resurrection and, and everything associated with it so since they rejected the idea of a resurrection, this of course rules out any future judgment. Also, now they did. They did also quite rightly they rejected the view held even by some Christians that when they die, they live forever as you know spirits or angels in heaven. But anyway, the, the Sadducees they thought this is it. This This life is all there is you get one shot and that's it and and so they put all their efforts into making this life as enjoyable and as quote successful as possible Uh, so it's no wonder they pursued status and wealth so much so they present to Jesus this hypothetical situation that's in verses uh, 19 uh, to 23 with these uh, seven this wife and seven husbands it's possible they got the idea from the book of tobit uh, if you have an old king james bible it has some books that are not in the modern bibles called a uh, collectively called the apocrypha and they are not canonical they are not um, regarded as inspired but they are you know they are still still useful, you know. Um, if if I put together some, if I wrote a letter uh, encouraging uh, uh, another church somewhere, that that short letter might be might be sound, doctrinally sound. You know, I, I'd hope it would be. But we wouldn't say we wouldn't go so far as to say it's inspired the same way as uh, the the scriptures were. So we have these books called the Apocrypha, and one of them is the Book of Tobit, and in there there's a woman anyway who's married seven times but remains childless. So they tie in that 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 maybe that story that they heard, they tie that in with a principle taken from the Old Testament, and you you may have have, have worked out from what the Sadducees say, the principle is the. If a lo- if a woman loses her husband, if he dies and they have no children, there's no one to there's no one to continue the family line, to keep the family name, and there's no the inheritance can't pass to anyone, and so so there was a temporary arrangement created whereby the where if if that dead guy had a, a brother who was still alive, then he would become like a, a sort of uh, a husband. Uh, to, to to that uh, widow um presumably even if he was married himself already <laughs> so uh, he'd have he'd have two wives you know poor chap <laughs> um so anyway uh, we we see we see in Jesus's response don't we that when they, when they put this to him he, he he responds with with a counter question in verse um 29 24 sorry and in other words, he responds by asking them a question. It's sort of surely you must, you must know this. That was, it was that sort of response. It was common for rabbis to, to answer questions with other questions, but Jesus does it even more. So he tells them in his response that they're wrong on two counts. Firstly, they didn't understand their own Bibles, secondly, they underestimated the power of God now i've no doubt they were greatly offended by this because you know not only were they part of the upper echelons of jewish society uh, and they were being challenged by one you know one of the commoners <laughs> um th- these were also religious leaders in israel and you know they were having their authority to teach challenged by an uneducated man a tradesman so i'd like to use this I'd like to use this uh, passage today to speak about resurrection. And if you think I've orchestrated my preaching so that I'd be speaking on the subject uh, of resurrection on this Easter Sunday, you'd be very wrong. Uh, You you may know I pay no attention to holy days, feasts, sabbaths, and so on. As a a preacher, I, I don't tailor my messages... you know around Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving or Lent or any other traditional commemoration people who commemorate those things do so, we we, we trust for the glory of God and I avoid them for the glory of God and that's quite scriptural and we don't judge each other so it's just a coincidence so I, I intend to look at the basis for our bodily resurrection our resurrection the believers i want to look at the certainty of it and i want to just say a few words about what what it will be like so the first point then is what is the what is the basis what is the basis for our resurrection we preach christ Crucified Now that quote from God's word Is a motto for all preachers In Christian congregations It's the preaching of the cross The Bible tells us that is the power of God That saves and what we mean Of course is it's that message God uses to save his elect People but we know That every aspect of God's saving process is necessary Every The election The incarnation the, You know the calvary the resurrection, so Calvary has always been used as a, as a as a pivotal moment in that process. But that sacrifice would be worthless without Jesus's resurrection. Having paid the penalty for the sins of his believing people, Jesus died. I could try to explain how the Son of God could die but i i just know any explanation understandable by by me and you will be in some way heretical it's a it's a, a mystery beyond us but the bible tells me he died so that fact that phrase can be safely broadcast far and wide so for several days jesus christ was in the grave uh, some say some ancient uh, heresies uh, tried to uh, came about because people tried to describe this accurately what happened and some said you know the real jesus left the body and went to heaven for 3 days that that is not what the bible says and so w- we just repeat what the bible says he was in the grave Je- jesus himself w- was was there his soul was in the grave You'll remember something we, we've already come across in Mark's Gospel. We, we heard, didn't we, how Jesus uh, predicted his own crucifixion and his death and his resurrection. And regarding the resurrection, here's one description of what happened, and it's taken from it's taken from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel it says in the end of the sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week came mary magdalene and other the other mary to see the sepulchre and behold there was a great earthquake for the angel of the lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow and for fear of of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men and the angel answered and said unto the woman Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word And as they went to tell his disciples Behold Jesus met them saying all hail And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him Then said Jesus unto them be not afraid Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee And there shall they see me That's from Matthew 28 He is risen What words these are that's a cause for joy, isn't it? What words they are. He is risen. I can imagine I can imagine at the time those words echoed throughout every corner of the spiritual realm, stunning the devils and Satan. They no doubt thought Jesus' death was a victory for their army. They'd frustrated God's plan, and they were now about to begin a glorious new era of war against God. But it was God's plan, not theirs, that succeeded the Nazarene had conquered death and dealt a fatal blow to Satan and I imagine day and night they're tormented by those words he is risen all they have to look forward to now is what's called the lake of fire and they'll share the place with untold millions of the human race those who were never part of God's family and and I can sort of imagine Satan being besieged day and night there by hordes of people accusing him, asking, why did you lie to us? Why did you whisper into our ears that we we shouldn't believe the gospel, we should just go on with our lives and enjoy life without God? Why did you lie to us? Jesus Christ had been dead but came alive again. I said it was necessary to God's purposes, this resurrection, and that it accomplished numerous things. Here are just a few. The resurrection, in in the resurrection, Jesus showed himself to be God. He conquered death. He fulfilled prophecy. He proved his sacrifice was acceptable to God. And he justified the church. And I could go on, but for the purpose of our study today, our focus will consider how his resurrection paved the way for our bodily resurrection. Jesus, you know, was the first person in history to be truly resurrected. There'd been examples of people who'd been dead and were made alive again such as the ones who were famously revived by the likes of Elijah, Jesus himself, uh, Paul. But these were not true resurrections because the people were raised in exactly the same uh, state as when they died. They, they, they were still destined to get older and die all over again. But the resurrection of Jesus gives g- us uh, clues as to the nature of our resurrection. It involved a new body that would never die. That's why it was different. And this is why we say Jesus was our forerunner. His resurrection is the basis for ours. So, the foundation, the basis for our resurrection is Jesus Christ's own rising from the dead. And we're going to look at the certainty of our own resurrection. And so... As we as we come back to our passage, we we enter the story at a point where Jesus hasn't yet died and been resurrected. Um, we, we, we're, we're looking at these Sadducees how they're trying to trip him up, and uh, they too, like their predecessors, were were insincere in their approach. The question itself sounds like an act of mockery because they pretended not only to hold him as a true teacher, but they talked about the resurrection as if they believed it, you know so in the resurrection blah 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 so we'll look at the marriage question later on I'd like to look firstly at at Jesus' confession of the resurrection as a truly biblical doctrine and he quotes from the beginning of the book of Exodus it's the third chapter it's the famous episode of the burning bush Uh, Jehovah's talking to Moses from this, this bush which is on fire but not not burning not burning up. And there God described himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In his wisdom, by the way, Jesus Jesus quotes from the Pentateuch. Remember, that's the only part of the Bible they really they had any interest in. And so he quotes from there. So they can't uh, dismiss it. Well, let's have a think about why Jesus uses that statement to make a case for the resurrection. Well, in Moses' day, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all dead. Jesus' point is, if those patriarchs were, as the Sadducees claimed, going to remain dead for all time, God would have spoken differently. We'd expect him to have said, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob god was in effect saying he hadn't finished with the patriarchs they were in the grave in sheol they were dead but god intended to recreate them in the near future and it's from that perspective he calls uh, himself their god so i'd like to look at just a few verses from different parts of scripture to just show us this joyful hope that is the resurrection of the dead the first one is from the old testament It's from the book of daniel the 12th chapter it says many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt by the way and um, you, you look there it says uh, m- many of them but it isn't what it appears when he says many. Uh, he, he means the multitude of mankind. Billions will rise on that day. Billions, and for, for us who are believers, we we won't be surprised. You know, we who've believed on Jesus in this life, we, we have trusted in the power of Jesus' resurrection we'll have spent our entire Christian lives uh, living with this great hope but the rest of the people will be utterly devastated because all their worst fears will be realised a lifetime telling themselves there's there's, there's no resurrection, there's no judgement and they'll realise then it was all wrong We've heard Jesus predict his own death and resurrection and we're going to quote him now from John's Gospel where he says in the 5th chapter of John Marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice so note Jesus says here it's all it's all people For, for us who are, who are God's people, the joy of that great day will far exceed uh, anything we've experienced in this life. E- even if we have a, even if we had a really joyful conversion experience, at that very instant, we'll no longer need faith in the promise of the resurrection. We will have it, and all those tormenting doubts. You know, maybe there isn't a resurrection. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm deluded. All those tormenting doubts. Are behind us forever. And the other people. The other people at the resurrection. At the very same instant. Their eternity of regret and sorrow will begin. There will be all kinds of pagans there. and uh, People with new age beliefs. And all kinds of other things. But the sentence carried out on them will be relatively light even if it's still full of misery. The biggest losers on that day will be those who spent their lives in church. That is, those who who heard the gospel the most but never submitted to Christ will bear the greatest guilt. We're talking about the people for the most part the people of the West the people in the, in the UK the people in the USA the people in England, Scotland, Ireland Wales the people of Liverpool the people of New York and California and, and so on do you see that the evil men of Sodom will be resurrected they will be there And you know what they'll be thankful they'll be thankful they're not in the shoes of the churchgoers when we look at the preaching of the apostles then we find it to be just full of references to the resurrection of the body their starting point was the resurrection of jesus of course But the end-time bodily resurrection of the saints was at the very heart of their preaching. That was our reward. That is our reward. Listen to this example uh, from uh, the Acts of the Apostles and the fourth chapter. And as they spoke unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus... The resurrection from the dead Uh, I think I'm going to read that again it it didn't it didn't sound right as they spoke unto the people the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached about the resurrection so it's the it's the leaders sort of annoyed that the people are being taught about the resurrection and it's, it's important Christians get hold of this principle one of the most common terms spoken by preachers in our day it's in almost every sermon for a lot of them is about going to heaven we're going to heaven regardless of the, 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 the theology behind the, this statement the the phrase going to heaven it's not it's not even in the Bible you can go through all the preaching of the apostles you can scour it you'll never find any reference to going to heaven or anything like it in fact and on the other hand the references to the hope of the resurrection of the body are hardly preached at all in churches today but that language can be found all over the bible so if you're interested and you 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 want to look into this just I'd suggest that maybe this afternoon you read through the book of Acts in one sitting and see if what I'm saying isn't true. Now, as a preacher, I'm meant to reflect what's actually in the Bible rather than repeating thoughts and phrases that I've inherited from Christians I've learned from, even if they're much cleverer than me. I need to be, I need to be biblical, you know, for the sake of my own conscience. And it's clear that it was the resurrection that was preached, not going to heaven so there's one for you to to um, have a little think about so we've had an example from the Old Testament we've had an example from the mouth of Jesus about the resurrection one from the mouth of the apostle and now we look at one more from one of the New Testament letters this is from Paul's letter when he wrote to the church at Corinth and he said God hath both raised up the Lord Jesus and will also raise up us by his own power So the Apostle Paul was was one of those people who'd he read about the resurrection in the Hebrew Scriptures. He'd heard that Jesus had taught it. He also had an encounter with the risen Jesus, which just confirmed it all. And and then of course he he preached it, he preached it, uh, he preached it um, to the people as an introduction to you know this is the reward for the believer the resurrection the end time resurrection of the saints Uh, and now he's communicating the same doctrine uh, in his letters to churches there was an occasion when Paul the Apostle he he met some this one occasion when he met some um, people who followed Greek philosophies Uh, I think they were uh, Epicureans uh, some Stoics as well And he spoke to them about the gospel. And as I've said, the the doctrine of our end time resurrection was central to his preaching there too. And their reactions were interesting. Some of them dismissed the notion of being raised from the dead. They just dismissed it outright. But others were intrigued and wanted to know more. And it's still the same today. When we proclaim what we believe in our heart to be factual, things like creation, the virgin birth miracles, the resurrection many will dismiss those things out of hand because it's just because they've never they've never experienced anything like those things in their lifetime and so they 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 conclude they're impossible they use their faulty reason to decide that it's all nonsense but from time to time of course we do find we do find those who want to know more. And some of them go on to believe in Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. So whether they were ancient Epicureans or present-day football fans, they're all God's elect, chosen by him before the world was, and in time, drawn irresistibly to Jesus. The Word of God tells us God didn't leave Jesus Christ's soul in the grave and throughout the word we have abundant encouragements to believe God will likewise not abandon our souls in the grave but will raise us up on that glorious day here's our final point and it's about what the what the resurrection will be like it's a big subject, but we can we can get a few ideas you you might wonder why in our passage um you might wonder why the Sadducees why they proposed such a fantastic um a fantastic scenario this marital uh puzzle about uh, in the world to come. And it, it, the answer is simple, really, because the only version of of the resurrection, the only um, the only set of doctrines about the resurrection they'd heard of were from the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees' view of the resurrection was very materialistic. It was just typical of just typical of the Pharisees, typical of the Jews, to try and see everything literally. And if, if and Christians tried to do this today And it just gets them into a dreadful Mess And It's all about thinking in material ways And The Pharisees you know taught that People would be raised in exactly the same Condition as they died So you can imagine someone Someone who's uh, Spent their lives in a wheelchair And died in that condition They'd be raised Cripples you know they'd be raised back they'd end up back in a wheelchair for all eternity and this sort of teaching you know just not very well thought out not very well developed doctrine it was a gift to the Sadducees I imagine I imagine they'd thrown this marriage puzzle at the Pharisees for years and and got you know pretty poor poorly constructed responses and if marriage did persist into the world to come, that w- that would be one of the problems, face one of the many problems that, that that would occur. When we when we look at verse uh, twenty five, we can see Jesus's explanation. He says, "When we rise, there won't be any marriage." He says, "We'll be like angels." We're not to think. We're not to think that means we won't have we'll be genderless it just means there'll be no more need for us to procreate then than for the angels some Christians have been concerned that after the resurrection they won't be married to their Christian partners I think that's pretty I think that's a a pretty natural feeling to have God invented marriage and whether it involves having children or not the man and the wife will you know will love each other and if that marriage has God at its centre it's expected the couple will grow in their love for each other that's the way God designed it yet it's at the end of their lives when they've lived through all the battles when they've experienced all the joys and the trials of marriage they have this huge bank of memories to recall from time to time and most of all they love each other deeply, presumably more deeply than they ever have it's at that point that God forces a divorce on them now of course in God's new world they'll still love each other but in a different way I was describing this the other day to Karen uh, my wife and I I got the impression she she still wasn't a hundred percent satisfied with my explanation you see I suspect that especially especially perhaps with wives they feel uneasy that they won't be special to their husbands anymore in in that future they'll be loved by their former husbands but in the same way as their husband loves everyone else you know sharing him with millions of people but I, i would just say think on this our attitudes will be different then our love for each other will be greater than anything experienced in this life so when wives inevitably bump into their husbands they'll experience a love between them greater than they previously had even if it is um, a love that is, is shared and let's not forget the most important thing all will have the company of Jesus Christ himself and our love for him will put our love for others in the shade, we won't be concerned about it, I promise you It's in uh, Paul's letter again to the Corinthians that we find the longest discourse on the subject of the resurrection of the saints. So let's just have a look at one reference which describes the nature of our resurrected selves. So it's in the 15th chapter uh, of 1 Corinthians. He says, And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly image well right at the top right at the top of my family tree i'll have you know is the first man adam and he's at the top of your family tree too and he had children and they had children and so on and so began that long list of my ancestors my ancestors and yours and in this process something of sinful adam was passed on i don't mean genetically but the power of god that could sustain a man in a perfectly sinless state was turned down a notch and so we find those ancestors and all who came after them including us were found to have a bias towards sin and theologians have called this tendency in each of us as original sin it's it's something we we, we have we it's it's it means we don't need to be taught how to sin as toddlers we already know so in other words just as in some sense we all bear the image of god we also bear the image of adam but paul encourages us uh, to believe that we'll be raised in the likeness of the heavenly spiritual body of the risen jesus We could talk forever about how the resurrection will take place. There's lots you could think about. You could, you could go mad thinking about it all. Like, you know, it's obviously, it's obviously easier for us to imagine someone who's recently deceased coming back to life than someone who died 3,000 years ago whose bones don't even exist anymore. When the Bible talks about resurrection, for our benefit, for our sakes It talks about the imagery of someone in a Like in a cemetery Being uh, roused from a sleep But God knows And all the authors of scripture knew quite well This didn't represent a typical resurrection People will be in all kinds of States of decomposition when Jesus comes And th- think about this this strange thought: water molecules from the body of Abraham, who we've been reading about. They will all by now have been absorbed into the environment and been dispersed, and one of them could be floating around in this glass of water. Even I don't mean to put you off water, but we don't dwell on such things. But instead, we we it, it, we leave the mechanics. Of all this to you know of this resurrection to God interestingly I was reading uh, Ezekiel the other day it was that well-known it was that well-known section about the valley of dry bones Uh, if you haven't heard it or you want a reminder let me read just a section from Ezekiel 37 and he that's God said unto me that's Ezekiel the prophet Son of man, can these bones live? So there was a there was a vision here of a valley just full of skeletons. And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest? And he said unto me, again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and I will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. This strange prophecy was fulfilled in a, in a, a literal, a, not literal, a, a material way. When the Jews returned from their exile, they returned back to the to Palestine but it clearly it, it uses the imagery from the future physical resurrection of the body because God will be raising some who've only recently died but there will be others who are just a pile of bones and God gives to Ezekiel a vision of bones being clothed again with muscle, sinews, skin and so on and finally God animates the whole man by his spirit I just I just dream of the day You know when God will, at the same moment, change me and awaken me by the power of His Spirit. Stand up, Paul. And we should make the point that this new body is designed to last forever. It's not just made fantastic, but you know, only live a million years. It's, it's, it's permanent. As I, as I said the other week. Right now. Only God has immortality. Right? Don't say you have immortality now and rob him of that. But look what's coming ahead. It says here in Corinthians again, in that same, further on in that same chapter. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. What a promise that is! going to become immortal it's that is we are going to get to live as long as god lives and since we know god is eternal we live for all eternity i can't i can't wait to to see what things god has in store for us to do I mean Jesus' presence will be enough but you know I'm sure he'll have all kinds for us to do I'd like to learn carpentry from no surprise from Jesus uh, I wonder will that be possible but it is it's his presence it's his um it's just being in his presence that I that I covered the most and this change this instant change of us from whatever condition we're in to being fully formed spiritual bodies that's all performed by Jesus. It says here in this letter to the Philippians, uh, speaking of, of, of Jesus, uh, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Not only will he allow us to live forever with him, but he'll furnish us with bodies suitable for fellowship with him on that plane of existence. Our resurrection is a great reward. You should try to bring it to mind you know every day the way you do very very naturally if you were you know like I said the other week, if you had um if you had a really big fancy once in a lifetime holiday and it was just like four or five days away, it would be on your mind all the time you know looking forward to it and it or it might be your retirement you look forward to but the resurrection is a, is a is a spiritual matter it 's a spiritual hope. And so it's less easily brought to mind as, as we're going about our day-to-day business. But just try to. Try to think on these things. For, for one thing, the blessed hope of the resurrection is um, it's an encouragement to us to keep going. So let the certainty of it that we've looked at today, let it get you through those black cloud moments in life and remind others about it. So they can experience something themselves of the joy that is in store for them. Jesus is coming and all those in the graves and all those alive at his return will finally get to meet him. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory glory if you belong to Jesus Christ today well may the love of Christ go with you in the days and the weeks ahead and always remembering the great promise of the resurrection Amen thank you for joining us um, no matter where you are no matter who you are I will be um, I'll be missing next week so I will see you in two weeks if you're a listener and no doubt the p- folks in the church will hear from me between then if if you are listening and you don't belong to New Road Church and you'd like to know more you maybe like to visit when we reopen then yeah please uh, drop us a line you can you can contact us through Sermon Audio, the Facebook page, the YouTube channel. Uh, we're we're on Spotify, There's plenty of ways to to get in touch. So so please please do. We, we'd love to hear from you.